As Arroyo puts the ball oh, in the yeah. glove, the left arm came down. No. A game which will go down in Premier League history. Arsenal have let a four-goal lead slip. Quite incredible. Do you have any idea of bringing Colin Kaepernick in to compete for that back job? You just listen to that question I just answered. Okay, I got three years invested in Brett Huntley, three years invested in Joe Callahan. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it because I'm sure that one time or another I grabbed a lot of kids. We the New York Jets select tight end from Penn State, Kyle Brady. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for joining me, Ryan. Uh, I was going to ask how you did, but we were talking about how you're doing uh, right before we started. So we don't really need to, <laughs> to do that again. Yeah, not bad. There we go. That's the summary. Uh, Ryan Cohen's on the podcast. Talk about the San Jose Sharks. Ryan Cohen is a teammate of mine on our sketch team, Night Church. Uh, so let's go into Sharks. I'll let you lead. Why do the Sharks suck? Um. Oh, man. <laughs> so many reasons. Uh I would say the Sharks suck because they are so uh, perennially talented and so enormously underachieving. Like last, like this past season was really bad, but before that, for pretty much as long as I can remember, every season, just about, they are a Stanley Cup contender. And every season, except for really one season, they completely failed those expectations, like utterly. So that's that's why I would say they suck. They're they're like I feel like they're almost the Western Conference Senators in a way, like the way the <laughs> Senators like for like a decade and a half were a dominant team in the regular season, and then yeah. the playoffs just come around and like maybe second round, maybe they make the conference finals, but never get over the hurdle. And then when they do, they they did that one time and they lost handedly in the finals. So exactly, like, that seems to be a pattern there. Yeah, but, it's yeah, yeah. permanent heart, heartbreak. It's just the only way I could describe it. They so, get your hopes up and then they crush them. Yeah. So what is there like for all those like late playoff run crushing blows or even like some of the shocking earlier round ones? Like, is there a consistent pattern over the years of what the Sharks can't get done in the playoffs? You know, I feel like it kind of is different every year. Um, the, the thing that I think fails them, uh, especially more recently, um, is like a consistent sort of like out of nowhere, lack of offense. Like the Sharks mm. usually have so much firepower, it seems, right? Like that, you know, like depending on the coach, they've kind of shifted the way they, they, you know, they, they approached it. But in like the early years, uh, they were, you know, they'd have like Joe Thornton centering one line and like Marlowe on the other line and put like Pavelski with one guy, you know, and like they like, they spread the offense out. And then, um, and then, you know, after a few years of that not working, fire the coach, bring in a new coach. And he puts, you know, Marlowe and like Thornton on one line together and they're just like loaded it up. And then you got Burns and like, you know, one of like, there's just so much offense, even from the defense. Right. And then the moment that like the playoffs hit, it just goes like by the wayside. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I like that you talked about uh, offense on the defense because one of the things I remember, uh, it was like three years ago at this point when Eric Carlson was on, speaking of the Senators, yes. on the Senators. He like single-handedly carried them to the conference finals that they had no business being in. But I, they beat the Rangers to get there, so I remember watching him being like, 
this man is a freaking unbelievable force of nature. And, you know, you already have Brett Burns. And so when I, when he signed with the Sharks, I'm like, oh, they're going to be unstoppable. And then yeah. it just, nothing, it fell apart. I don't know even how that happened. I, trust me, it's like a constant head scratcher. And like, I love Carlson so much just because, I mean, I played hockey. I, I've played hockey since I was four, right? So it's something that I, you know, I still play, love it. Um, and I've always been, um, I play wing, I play forward. And uh, I'm fast. That's like, I was never like super accurate with my shot or anything, but I just always was one of the fastest guys on the ice. Mm -hmm. And so I like love and appreciate, I feel like I have like a deeper appreciation for just like beautiful skaters. And Carlson is one of the most beautiful skaters in the league. Uh, He reminds me of like uh, Dan Boyle. He's also on the Sharks, who was a beautiful skater, defensive, uh, like offensive defenseman. Right. Um, and yeah, so I was so excited when they added him. I was like, we're going to have so much offense coming from the back line, from the blue line. And and that season, he uh, I think that was the season that we got him. I don't think is the season that we made the Stanley Cup. But um, he was like nothing for like the entire regular season. Like he was so bad when we got him. Um, and then the playoffs came and he turned it like, you know, switched gears, which was great to see. But it just like for so long felt like another guy that we got that like, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a culture thing or what, but he just like fell apart. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so it's, it, I don't know how just, and that was, I remember the year they, the um, Sharks made the finals was the same year uh, that Carlson had that run to the conference finals where they lost to the Penguins. Mm-hmm. Um, again, had no business being there, but yeah, it's so weird. I don't know. It, and it's not like he did not have the support in Ottawa that he had in San Jose. Like there was just, there was nothing around that team. I don't, is it something where it's like he, he, because he, some players, I feel like when they're not the guy, they're the guy, like they're better. Um, but he seems like someone who, I don't know, is it because he, you know, they had Burns that he wasn't like the main uh, focal point necessarily of how that team operates. Is it, was that, I'm just speculating here. I don't yeah. Know if that's the case. I think that's kind of a good observation. Like I hadn't, I haven't thought too deeply about it. It just was something that I think if I, I honestly don't remember super well, but I think he might've been dealing with some injuries that season in the regular season uh, too. But, um, but yeah, maybe it's a system thing, you know, I don't know. Like he, he came, I think like right in the middle of the Pete DeBoer like era and he was the guy who kind of like rearranged the offense so that he was putting like, you know, he was making it real top heavy. Right. And yeah, for whatever reason, I guess like, I mean, like it wasn't, he just was kind of like invisible for a large part of the season. Like not like making any like egregious mistakes or anything like that, but he just kind of like, he wasn't the offensive player you're used to. There wasn't like as many like, you know, end to end rushes and right. stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it might've also been like a sort of complex where, you know, Burns is the guy. And so maybe he just like felt like he had to take more of a backseat. Who knows? Yeah. It's just so strange to me. And and I'm even like 2019, I feel like the, they had a good run that they, I think they lost, they lost the Knights that year, right? In the playoffs. Um, um not this, not though. Yeah. Yeah. I remember just, that was like a really good series too, but it was just, um, but yeah, it was just watching, um, just watching that team who I feel like even if they were, you know, in the last few years when, you know, Marlowe and Thornton got older, they were still like playing hard and they were mm-hmm. still competitive. So I don't even, I mean, like they didn't even make the bubble this year. I don't even like what happened. How did, it was such an ugly year for California hockey in general. Like, the Sharks <laughs> were like the team I thought, all right, if any team is going to not shit the bed in California, it's going to be the Sharks. But then even they just, I don't even know what happened. Yeah. They were just bad. Like I don't, I don't get it either. Like, uh, you know, they, 
you know, Marlowe was obviously gone. Um, there were some injuries and stuff like that too. And, you know, they lost a uh, hurdle at some point. I think it was kind of, it was like mid season, I think when hurdle like tore his ACL and right. he was like a lot of their offense during that time. But yeah, I don't know that. I don't know what happened. I, I didn't watch a ton of games from that because when I like, I shit you not, I turned on a, like, you know, I watched a few games and it was, our, they had already started losing and they just like looked like their hearts weren't in it. You know what mm. I mean? Like it just like did not look like a team that was interested in like doing well. Right. Which is such a sad like mm. state of affairs, especially I, for a team who has like, you know, for a decade been right there every, every season. Yeah. Even I, who's not, uh, doesn't really have an opinion one way or the other sharks, my heart dropped and put it that way. <laughs> it's just a little bit, just like, Oh, they, they, it's like they, their window, which they had is basically, I mean, it, I don't know if it's completely closed, but it's just like, Getting Thornton uh, ring is just looks like it's just not going to happen. Um, yeah, and it's, now he's gone. Yeah, and now he's gone. End so of an era. It, yeah, it is the end of an era, and obviously the Rangers are dealing with that too with Lundqvist. So I'm, mm. it's which is their era sort of collide in a lot of ways. But yeah, we, um, can, we can commiserate. <laughs> we can commiserate about end of an era, but in terms of um, like, yeah, I mean, like, so what is that? Like, what is would you say like Thornton and because I feel like Thornton Marlowe's legacy may be tied together, but you yeah. would know more than me, like what, what distinguishes the two of them and what, it, what would you say each of their legacy is for Sharks fans? Um, yeah, I definitely think that for Sharks fans, they're intertwined, like, you know, inextricably linked. Like you can't, you can't really divorce them from each other. Cause I mean, even Thornton, like he obviously wasn't a shark, like sh- on the Sharks from the start of his career. Like he had a great right. career before getting there. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, he achieved the most greatness there. And it was like in tandem with Marlowe and Mar- like Marlowe will go down as probably the best Sharks player ever just because he holds every single record. Like he played for the Sharks for literally like 20 years, I think. And he's, right. you know, he, he just will always be like our golden boy. I was always a Thornton fan because Thornton and I had sort of similar play style, even though I was talking about being like speedy since I didn't have a good shot. I was also like just loved passing. Right. And Thornton is like the, you know, the ultimate like point forward. Right. Um, when it comes to hockey. So I, you know, I, I loved his play, but Marlowe will always be like the favorite of Sharks fans, I feel like. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I remember Thornton in uh, on the Bruins and just, mm-hmm. that was in high school, given how <laughs> how long that's a testament. That's my age, but also a testament to how long Joe Thornton's been around. But one yeah, of, no kidding. I remember one of the most iconic moments of the Rangers in my high school years. And the Rangers were very bad when I was in high school, but, mm. and this was like, Eric Lindros was such a failure on the Rangers, but at one point he got into a fight and broke uh, Thornton's jaw. And I was like, all right, that, that, you know, we, we broke a jaw of the Bruins best player. So that, at, least, <laughs> at least that happened. Yeah. But then, yeah. And, then he, and he, 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 he did, I don't think I've ever seen anyone um, win an MVP trophy in a year he was traded, but I remember that it was like the yeah. first year after the lockout and he was traded like, I don't know, like November maybe. And he just, was that was like the beginning of the Thornton era, obviously. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. it was his first year, but he won the Hart Trophy that first year. Yeah, I mean, and he, it was just so insane watching that guy just because every, like, it just dimes all over the ice. Like he, I think he had like a hundred assists that season. Like it yeah. was like, it was something like insane and like something that felt un, untouchable, you know what I mean? So it's, it, it, you know, and that, that era was great too for the Sharks. Like that was when, you know, Doug Wilson was there and they had like, you know, they still had Nabokov goal. Yeah. And, you know, like it's like, like I said, for almost as long as I can remember, this has been a team that every year was like, maybe not the favorite to win the Stanley Cup, but they had a shot and a good right. shot. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things where you like, 
you almost are like, I've been burned too many times. I can't right. get into it. And then they, <laughs> then they drag you in and then they break your heart, you know, yeah. like every time it's the ultimate, like, you know, beautiful ex-girlfriend situation or something. Yeah. Let's talk um, about Sharks fans and the culture there. Because the way it's been described to me, and, and you can be wrong, that it's like, there's like, I don't know, like a very small number relative to the area, but those fans are like in it 100%, which is hockey in general. But I feel like Sharks fans in particular, are like it's a lower number, but a really, the passion is like out of control. That's my general perception of Sharks fans. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hockey in the Bay area is, is pretty big. Like it's surprising like how popular it is, but in terms of like, you know, uh, fervent f- support is like, yeah, you have a very, very like, uh, extremely passionate fan base that like is obviously smaller in numbers than it would be for teams that are like back East or something like that, but still huge. The issue is, it's just that in the Bay area, much like in LA, there's so much to do and so many teams and stuff that like hockey always is going to kind of come, you know, second or third fiddle to the other stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I played and participated in it, you know, my whole life. I, you know, have met tons of players and played at their camps and played against their sons and stuff. And it's always been, been popular there, but it's only grown really since, you know, since I was actually living in the Bay area as a kid. Yeah. It's weird. Interesting. I don't know. Cause I, I don't think you're from San Jose proper, right? Uh, you're no. From- yeah. I'm from like, I'm from East Bay. So I'm from like, it's like, I, I grew up like 20 minutes from San Jose, but I used to play against the San Jose junior sharks, tons of tournaments there. Yeah, because I always remember, like, I only have been to San Jose proper once, and mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, this is like a top, this is literally, I think, the 10th most populated city in America. And I, I had a friend who was <laughs> from San Jose, I remember, like, I was there on, like, a Friday night, like, what's there doing on a Friday night? And she was like, I don't know, is the mall open? And it was just <laughs> like, how is a city this big, like, so, like, identityless? It was just so strange yeah. to me. That's funny. I haven't really thought about it like that, but it is very, very true. Like they're really like San Jose is, I think it's like the like third biggest city in California too. Like it's like the biggest city. It's like the most populous city in the Bay area, but it's really just sort of, yeah, it's not, there's not a whole lot that's interesting there besides the sharks and like San Jose state, I guess, you know, and the earthquakes if you, you know, watch American soccer. Really outside the sharks are really starving for uh, (laughs) options in San Jose. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it's cause it's the, the Bay Area in general, it feels like, yeah, but there, I mean, and also, I guess, yeah, I was going to say East Bay doesn't have it, but they have all the Oakland teams, so they definitely have that. Well, now they have one Oakland team, I think. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, well, two, if you count the Warriors, I guess. Are they in? They, they moved to San Francisco. Oh, so. yeah, and they did. You're right. So yeah. now, it's, now it's just, uh, just the A's. A's and the Sharks are the only uh, East Bay teams, I guess, at this well, point. The Sharks, I guess, technically would be South Bay, but, you know, yeah. if, you're, if we're splitting hairs here. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's all the East Bay's got. Although they did just get like a, uh, I forget what league it is, but they just got a soccer team. Oh yeah, it's not it's not like the top soccer team, like the top tier league, but the like one below that. Yeah, like the US MNL, I think is what. Yeah, it, something it like is. that. But yeah, they got it's the like, the Oakland uh, Oakland Roots is their name. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, we're inching <laughs> towards more there, so that <laughs> yeah. that's good. Um, but yeah, so but it is something I remember seeing a stat. I remember watching this is the level of dork I am with hockey where I was looking like uh, I was like right after the lockout I'm like all right hockey is going to be relevant again. it's going to be popular it's going to be a huge sport again and it's like it's got its niche and I, I think it's hockey as a sport is generally settled into its niche but I was looking at like what regions have the highest ratings for like the winter classic or something like that mm. and Sacramento specifically was way up there which was surprising that is so weird yeah <laughs> 
I would never expect that to be that big of a hockey team, a hockey town. And I, I used to play up there too. And yeah. they were generally not very good. So that's yeah, like, but they apparently had high rating. Maybe it was just like it was so low that one blip meant like I don't know. Uh, maybe yeah. like maybe like one player in that particular year was like from Sacramento. That's that's quite possible. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. So it's just it's just so yeah. So it's just I never I feel like before this talk I never really sensed like the tragedy of a Sharks fan as much. I never got that sense of like I mean I knew they were always like a competitive team that never won, but I didn't really understand just how hard hitting it was. And so thank you for enlightening me on your pain. Yeah. Uh, I'm always open with my heartbreak and it's, <laughs> uh, it's perpetual for the most of my life. The Warriors were the one like saving grace I ever had because up until that point when they won the, you know, the finals, I had never won a championship of, with any of my favorite teams. So it was great. Yeah. You're probably, you were, uh, yeah, we're, we're both too young to remember when the A's were that level. But. Yeah. I think, I think it was I, the, their last world series was the year I was born. Maybe like, mm year before i forget but yeah yeah Yeah. um so i guess what i what i want to ask next is where do the a's go oh sorry the a's where do the sharks go from here a's have a lot of questions too but let's talk talk sharks specifically like what is so now that it's sort of like that era is over uh yeah it that so sadly it never culminated and the sharks do they go through a rebuilding phase do they like try to accelerate like yeah, you know it's I've I've thought yeah I've thought about this and it's really hard to kind of determine because there still feels like there's a lot of talent there, right. but I think the problem is that it's like middle aged talent like relative right. to like a hockey career you know what right. I mean like they have some good young guys but for the most part it's guys that are kind of in the middle or like the you know edging towards the tail end of their career like Couture is like you know I guess wrong side of thirty. And like, you know, Burns, some of these guys are definitely getting up there. They, you know, obviously lost Thornton. He's like a shadow of what he once was, unfortunately. Marlo's back, which is so insane to me at this point. But like, fuck it, you know, I'll take him. Right. But I like the one thing that I do feel like the Sharks really need is depth. Like they just do not have. And for most of the time that I can remember, they've been such a top heavy team. And they have like one really great line. And then like a half of a good second line. And then the third line is like trash. So I feel like they just really need to like go after some depth somehow. There's a couple guys that are, you know, underachievers they could probably get rid of. Um, Like Sorensen. Sorensen's a guy that just pisses me off. Like he's so fast (laughs) and like, but I feel like he's on the ice for like every time the Sharks get scored on. I see Sorensen on the ice. So I'm happy. I would be fine with like trying to see what we can get out of a guy like him and just trying to get some depth. Like some young young depth, yeah. And also, we really need to solidify. We also really need to solidify our goaltending. It's been so up and down. Like Martin Jones has had some like seasons where he's been like awesome, and he's had some seasons where I've been like, this guy needs to retire. You know. (laughs) So it's that's a that's definitely something that they can like. I mean, if it's if he's not the guy, we need to decide soon. Right. Yeah, and so I guess I don't know much about like the management, the upper management uh, front office of the Sharks, but do you trust the current front office to get it done? I don't know. Like I, I, I <laughs> we. It's so hard. It's such because it's not like we're like we've been a bottom dwelling team for a long time or like really ever. You know what I mean? Like in the early mid nineties, Sharks are pretty bad. But like Doug Wilson's been the general manager for the Sharks for as long as I can remember. Um, and he's always uh, brought in 
like talent and cultivated talent, but like it seems like you know he sometimes it feels a little bit nickel and dimey. Right. They let some guys go, and they you know and when there's been like top tier talent available, they haven't like pulled the trigger on those guys. They've kind of been like, well, we have our guys, and we'll just like pick up some like mid level dudes here and there. Um, so like I feel like they'll never like I don't I have complete faith in them. Um, in him like putting together a team that can compete again. Like, I don't think they're going to be as bad this coming season as they were in the, you know, the shortened like lockout season or not right. lockout, the COVID season. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll be at that level at all, but do I think that they're like, I think their window is closed and I just don't like, I don't have really faith in Doug Wilson, like making the moves he needs to make to get them back to that contention spot, you know? Right. Yeah. And that might just be me being jaded and like angry, but it doesn't sound like, yeah, I think you, like you said, you having faith, hope is a dangerous thing. Oh yeah. Uh, Hope can drive a man insane. Like that whole thing. Um, uh, so, but it, I, yeah. So it's interesting. And what would you, so let's talk, um, other teams. So what do you make of the Knights rise and how does, how does the, how do the Knights make you feel? So the Knights piss me off. <laughs> because so also I mean like a little part of the reason why they pissed me off is because uh my my uncle and like a big part of my family live in Vegas and my uncle for my whole life has been like the biggest Raiders or a uh, Sharks fan rather and um just like loved the Sharks every time he came to visit us would be like he would buy a ton of Sharks gear we would go to games whatever and he had like Sharks decals on his truck and whatever else and then the moment the Knights came all the decals and all the gear changed to night stuff and so I felt a little bit betrayed <laughs> and then they made the Stanley Cup in their first season. But I feel like they just were given such – they were dealt such a great hand, like with the draft. Right. Um, just because it had never been like set up that way to where they, they were – they got so many favored picks um, from like other – not with the – not like – sorry, not the like rookie draft, but like the, the draft where they were able to like pick players from other teams. Yeah, the expansion draft, yeah. Yes. They were just given so much more than any team in the history of the sport ever has been given. Like they – it's – it should be like a lesson that they like, this is something they cannot do with the, with the Seattle team. Yeah. Like just because, you know, I, I get, and I think it ultimately was good for the league for them to be so good so fast, just because like Vegas isn't a hockey town, but they right. went nuts for that team. You know what I mean? Just cause they were so good and it built like an infrastructure. Like they have like kids leagues and like my uncle's telling me that all the kids want to play, which is so cool right. um, for my sport. But like, it just pisses me off that they were so good so fast and they right. didn't deserve it. Yeah, I feel like every uh, Pacific uh, Division uh, hockey fan, which I I know we we were friends with one, and then there's like <laughs> three others uh, who I know. So I'm judging yeah. based on that. But I'm pretty sure all all the people I know who are fans of other teams, like the Kings and things like that, are just like, "What the fuck? How? How? What? It's not even like sentences can't even form. It's like, what the fuck is the Knights? Like, how yeah, did that happen? Just not fair, man. Just such a <laughs> stacked team year one. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is. It's one of those things where it almost feels like a like you know the NFL loves the Patriots type thing or whatever. Like I'm like, all right, did, like what who, who, the owner of the Knights? I don't even know who it is, but how close are him and like the you know front office of the NHL? What what kind of deal they got going on? It starts to get you conspiracy thinking, you know? Yeah. No, I've been to one Knights game, um, and I was just like, I just it was their first year, and I was just like, I just felt that energy. I'm like, this is, I mean, it's been one year, and this is already like a hockey powerhouse, and the culture there is already built in so yeah I was just like how how what just how did this happen and like, I was being there, good yeah i was there for like a a rangers rangers game and rangers fans travel and rain and 
New York douchebags are not going to miss out a chance to go to like <laughs> me. You're not going to miss out a chance to go to Vegas with it, to watch the Rangers. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about with the Raiders. It's a different story entirely. But the Raiders being in Vegas, once fans start coming, I'm so worried that it's just like constantly going to be like away teams. But that's another story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 it is absolutely 100% not my style. The the whole Knights thing, you know what right. I mean? Like with the especially the pregame stuff. Oh my like, god, the pregame like stuff a- there. Some of the is like even by I'm used to a lot of corny shit, but even <laughs> by the, that like corny sports shit standards, that was just like, what is that? It is so ridiculous and over the top, but I also kind of like secretly in love it. Like I hate it myself, but I love that it exists because it's just like it's made it into such a spectacle and it fits like the identity of the city of Vegas perfectly. It just is a city that's entirely over the top and superfluous and insane. And so yeah. it like fits, even though it's the dumbest thing ever. So like I don't like begrudge them that part. But it really just does piss me off, like how good they got so fast right. to the point where like it felt like retribution when we beat them in the playoffs. I think I think it was the next season when we had yeah. that like crazy comeback in the third. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, all my, you know, Knights fans, friends and family were just so pissed off. And they're like, you know, like that that penalty shouldn't have been a five minute penalty. And I'm like, you know, my opinion notwithstanding, I don't even care. I'm glad it was. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel um, there's part of me, and we'll wrap up here, but I feel like there's part of me, even with rivalries, like if I meet, as a Ranger, if I meet like a Flyers or a Devils fan, as, as annoying as I am by them, there's, especially when I'm in California, there's part of me, it's like, oh, another hockey fan. I can have this conversation yeah. with, with a person. So even if I hate your guts for the team you root for, it's, there's a bond that like you don't meet necessarily, you're not from, you're not in hockey territory naturally. So it's something where it's a natural, it's like, Let's talk hockey, friends, new friend yeah. who's, who I, whose guts I hate or something no, like that. No, I agree entirely, especially as somebody who plays hockey, just because I know, I've spent my entire life trying to convince my friends that it's an awesome sport. And it's like never – like it never uh, clicks for them until they actually attend a live hockey – like NHL game. Yeah. Every person that I've ever brought to an NHL game has like immediately been converted. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's also it, – it reminds me similarly of like the sort of like Oakland-San Francisco rivalry – you know, amongst people in the Bay area is so uh, enormous. Like people like, you know, like there's like fights over it and stuff. Right. And then down in LA, every time, like I, you know, I, my family's from Oakland. I didn't grow up in Oakland, but like that's all my teams and everything. And, you know, anytime I run into somebody from San Francisco or whatever, it just like immediately feels like you, you feel that like bit of camaraderie being in like behind enemy lines or whatever. Right. Yeah, that's fair. So all hockey right. gives me the same thing. Yeah. So let's, uh, I guess we can wrap up here. Uh, we can both promote Night Church, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll promote Night Church. Yeah, why, why, don't, you, why don't you spin Night Church? Because I, I, I've not actually talked Night Church on this podcast, but it's our, we're both on the same sketch team. Yeah, uh, we're, we're uh, day oneers. We are day oneers. There, uh, there's uh, 12 people on the team. Four of us were from the beginning. Two of them are me and Ryan. Uh, follow us, Hail Night Church, on social media. I, like we're, yes. we're tag teaming this plug right now, but it's yeah. going to be fun. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. Nature, can... yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's we, great. you know, unfortunately, uh, due to you know unforeseen circumstances, uh, our our production has halted somewhat. But there's still a, a pretty substantial backlog of content that you can yeah. watch if you're interested. Absolutely, and and if you want to want to give us money, go for it. We're gonna we'll, we happily accept that. That's just we do have a Patreon. That, we do uh, have a Patreon. Yes. Um, well, Ryan, where can people find you online specifically? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not really that online. I mean, you can like add me on Facebook or something. I think on Twitter, I'm like, my account is like probably Ryan or something. Mm -hmm. 
I like really don't. I go on Twitter to like like my sister's tweets, and that's pretty much it. Like, just I, I gotta I gotta be better about that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, you know, if you ever want to see some comedy, you could come watch Night Church once you know the world opens back up. And I also perform at the Westside Comedy Theater uh, doing improv, so you can check out Air Force Fun as well. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't know. Just like look up at the sky, like on full moons, and just like <laughs> you know say something dreamy and close your eyes and maybe I'll be doing it at the same moment. Yeah. Ryan is the, is I would say you're the werewolf of night church, but there's like a lot of competition yeah. for that within Certainly. night it's church. A lot of hairy white guys. On the yeah. Team. A lot of hairy white guys and personality, <laughs> hairy white guy personalities, if not literally <laughs> hairy white guys. Uh, all right. Well, so thank you so much for joining me, Ryan. I appreciate it. And uh, have a good night. Yeah. You too, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, I miss you. I miss you too. I do miss you. Hope to see, see you soon. soon. Yes. Bye. Thanks for listening. Uh, that was a great episode. I love Ryan. I do miss him dearly. Uh, let's uh, hope today is as good as it feels right now in the early morning. Uh, if you like the show, you can follow it at My Team Sucks Cast on Twitter, My Team Sucks Podcast on Instagram, and My Team SCKS on Facebook. Facebook does not like the word sucks, apparently. You can follow me, Ethan Stanislavski, at Ethan Stan Comedy on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. You can donate to the show on anchor.fm, or you can donate to me directly on Venmo at Ethan-Stanislavski. I'm going to leave it there and just try to enjoy the day. Thank you very much. Hope your team doesn't suck.